This is Phil Diaz. I'm the pastor at Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's my prayer that God would use this podcast to speak to your life right where you're at. I pray it also builds your faith and helps give you perspective on how God can work, move, and transform your life. Enjoy the message. It is good to be back here at Greencastle, uh, and I hope, did you miss us a little bit? Yes. Okay, that's good. <laughs> well, anyway, it is good to be back, and so I want to welcome you all once again here to the Greencastle Church Nazarene Gathering today. If you're watching online, again, make sure you drop us a comment, let us know where you're watching from. Uh, and I want to start off the sermon this way. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Howdy, neighbor. Howdy, neighbor. I mean, I grew up in Texas. This is like common language. I mean, it was either that or, hey, dude. <laughs> okay. All right. Welcome your neighbor here today. Uh, and I, I'm excited for this word today. We are talking today. The sermon title is called True Worshippers. True Worshippers. So as a pastor today, I want to share with you a little bit about my heart and just kind of some of the things that I think God has just been speaking to me. Um, hopefully, he'll speak to you through that as well. There's a burden that just, to me, uh, it deepens the more I walk with the Lord. And, and learning more about what it is to worship the Lord. Because on the surface, it may sound simple. But when you walk closer in proximity to the Lord, the Lord begins to grow and expand in, in what that looks like and how it can be. And so there's... This burden I just want to share with you today about talking about what it is to worship, what it is to be a worshiper, and understanding the heart of God, and how we can cultivate and grow a passion for worshiping God within our hearts and within our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so I want you to turn to your neighbor today. I want you to say one simple word. You guys ready? Worship. Tell your neighbor, worship. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, you are a worshiper. You're a worshiper. You're a worshiper. I just want to clear that before we even get started in anything. It's amazing to me how church people, like, I'll talk to just, like just different people and you know church culture and you know different denominations, but it's like you talk to them about being a worshiper, and they're like, "Oh no, that's not me. I just I just open the door at the church. Like that's all I do. Like I don't do that crazy stuff." <laughs> you know, it's it's weird how people think about the word worship, but I'm here to tell you, everyone on planet Earth, which means everyone in this building. In this city, county, state, country, world, and whatever Martian planets that we haven't found yet, <clears throat> okay, all human beings are worshipers. In fact, it's what we were made to do. Worship is defined as the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for something. And in the dictionary, it says, normally reserved for a deity. Okay? So I want you to remember that. 
understanding worship, I know in my life has been critical, really, to the DNA of I know how I operate, how I actually operate, because you can't love God, you can't love people, and you can't love making disciples unless you understand what it is to learn how to worship God first. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, part of my education, before I even got into all my uh, studies to Nazarene Bible College, is I, I took this coursework through St. Stephen's University. And uh, one of my mentors and teachers was a guy whose name is Dan Will. And so I'm going to have Dan share just a quick little video about what his definition is of worship. And hopefully this will encourage and impact you today for your life. What is worship? It's a big question. Worship ultimately, when we look at the scriptures, is our response to God. It is a place of encounter, of interaction, where we are offering all of who we are with our great yes, as God is offering all of who God is to us in His great already, all-pursuing, all-consuming love. So worship is ultimately a response. When we think of, of worship, we think of passages like Romans 12.1. Therefore, in light of God's great mercy, present yourself, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's your spiritual worship. And when we think about that, often it can feel uh, a little bit disconnected from what happens when we're in church. But when we come together, we have this moment of opportunity where 1 John 4:19 kicks in. We love him because he first loved us. Worship when we gather is a celebration of God's great love pursuing us. It's a retelling of God's story as we reclaim, as we reenact the story of God together. It's a connecting with God in intimacy and love, connecting with the Spirit of God as we say yes. And it's in those ways that we say yes, whether it be singing or reading the scriptures or hearing the word or being in the midst of great beauty, visual art and architecture and all these other languages of worship that the church has spoken through ages. It is in those spaces that we practice saying yes to God in the inner places of our hearts. And it's what empowers us and strengthens us to say our greater yes to God is the living sacrifice that is truly our spiritual worship. For the writer there, as dead as a dead sacrifice was, that's how living, our living is to be to God. It is complete, it is whole. It is unadulterated and not misguided. It is completely focused and devoted on the one who first loved us and then we in response love. God is the subject of the worship sentence. It's God who started this love relationship. Then, acting upon us in love, we are the objects and we say we love you in response and the great worship story continues so as you come to worship today as you come to worship in your community know that with the people of god you are saying yes both communally and personally to god's spirit imparting to you the love that is at the center not only of the whole cosmic story but is at the center of your story and mine Worship is a response to the great pursuing 
love of God. Worship is a response. And it's a response that we all can take part in. And it's a response that we can all give in one way or the other. Here's, here's the thing about worship. We as humans have no lack of things to worship. Uh, I can point out like a thousand different things that people worship. People worship rocks, statues, trees, political figures, news networks, ideas, celebrities, fame, fortune, musicians, the past, the present, the future, our fears, sex, drugs, rock and roll, alcohol, addictions, suicide, doubt, religion, bad theology, good theology, legalism, lies, sports, athletes, teams, companies, stock markets, bank accounts, flamingos, cell phones, the dirt, and anything else in between. Some people probably would worship that plastic plate right there and think it's the greatest thing ever. And and it's I don't I don't understand all of that. Because the God that I worship, the God that we worship together in this house and in this place, as we sing those wonderful songs and we sing How Great Thou Art, the God that we serve and we worship isn't bound up in some little plastic tree. It's not in some sort of celebrity or idol. The God that we worship is the maker of all things of heaven and of earth. And somehow I feel like, because I've seen the handiwork of God, that I have a response to give to Him. Give Him praise for that. So we're going to stand today. Uh, we're going to be in the Word of God. And we're going to be in John chapter 4, verse 23. And this is just how we're going to kind of kick things off today. I want to see what the Scriptures say about worship. So we're going to be looking at several different Scriptures. But to kick things off, I thought that this was an appropriate scripture and where the message title comes from. This is what it says in John chapter 4, verse 23. It says, and this is Jesus speaking, okay? Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Let's bow our hands today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you because we want to be true worshipers today. We want to be able to worship nothing else but you. But Lord, within even our everyday lives, within our moments, Lord, even right now, I, I, I know like sometimes it's just a fight and a struggle to stay in your presence. We get distracted easily. We, we start letting our feelings or emotions distract us from you, Father. We, we, we let our, our, our physical bodies even distract us in, in a certain way to, to take us away from your presence. But Lord, today I want to focus on, on some things that we can do to learn how to be true worshipers of who you are. So Lord, I pray that this message be impactful. Lord, use the words that are preached through my mouth today to speak to us here today. To speak to me. And Lord, 
We pray once again for your glory just to be brought down in this service and the gathering today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys may be seated today. I love that verse. You know why? What I notice is this. That God isn't seeking perfect public speakers, charismatic leaders, people with gifted talents and administrative duties, who's the best looking, who can sing the best, who's got the greatest style. <laughs> Alright? God is not looking for who's got the most followers on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and every other social platform that is out there. Here's what Jesus said that God is looking for. He said the Father is looking for true worshipers. And that can include you and me. Give Him praise for that. <laughs> That's what's so exciting. Jesus was not saying that true worshipers are people that they come into the church for about 20 minutes and then they've got 10 minutes of complaints. They sit down, they grab that bulletin, they look it over, they point out everything they don't like in the bulletin. And then when it comes time to sing, they look like this because they've got the joy of the Lord. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And then when they leave, they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm really late to go eat. How dare you preach that extra minute and a half? Don't you know my stomach is hungry? Yeah, you know, there's all kinds of that. I'm so glad that Jesus wasn't saying that that is what a true worshiper is. Because I think sometimes in our, our circles, we sometimes forget that that's, that's how we actually are. We forget to engage with the very presence of God. We forget to learn how to express our devotion to the God who's putting air within the very lungs that we're breathing through today. And then sometimes we just forget that. It's good to just bask in His presence. Amen? And I know for some of you that might be a weird thing. You know, because, you know, church starts here, we do here, and then when we leave, we leave, we got to go, you know, you know, everyone's got a different rhythm, but I just challenge you, when's the last time you just sat in the presence of God and you didn't want to leave? Amen? When was the last time? Here's the great thing about worship. In my life, I've learned this. I've learned that you can have great worship in your life and give ultimate value to a terrible and bad God. I've also learned this. You can have terrible worship. You can sing off-key. You might be a distraction to people on your road. But you, in your style of worship, were worshiping a good God. Amen. Amen. Give Him praise. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 through 9, it says this. It says, Jesus said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and their worship is a farce. 
Well, what kind of worship is a farce that Jesus is talking about? I think it's that disengaged, apathetic type of worship that I mentioned. When the only, the only thing that we come in through the doors is to get through A to B to C to D, but we don't really even care about what's really happening in the middle. That is the kind of worship that God is not looking for. He can get that kind of worship from a rock. <laughs> and a rock just sits and does nothing. And I hope and I pray and maybe even challenge us today that we can hopefully do better than a rock. Amen? Amen. Can you do better than a rock? Yes. Woo! I you should be excited and say, yes, I can. <laughs> you can do better than a rock. Yes, you can. Because when we get so apathetic, when we get to the point to where we forget the reason why we even come and gather to church, we need to be reminded about, well, what is the reason that we come? And I'm going to say this, and I think I've said it before, and I don't mean it in any sort of offense. And you can say this to me, and I won't take it in any sort of offense either. But I don't come for you. Don't shoot me. But when I come to church, I come to worship God. And the same reason that I give is the same reason you can also give me. You don't have to come for me. But I want you to come for the right reason. I want you to come for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is what the psalmist says in Psalm 100. And I think the psalms are beautiful and have wonderful expressions of worship sprinkled and scattered throughout all of them. In fact, just so you know, these are Jesus approved because these psalms, many of them, were also the same psalms that Jesus and many of the other disciples and those in his time, these are the psalms that they would sing in the temple, are these psalms. In these words. So this is Psalm 100. This is what it says. And just kind of think about it. Is your church experience, is your experience in the presence of God kind of like this, okay? Just making you think a little bit. Okay, this is what the psalmist says. He says, Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Yeah. I didn't say he did. Verse 2. Worship the Lord with gladness. Amen. Come before him with singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. Exclamation point. He made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each and every generation. That should be a sermon in itself right there. So give him praise. This is wonderful stuff. This is the word of God speaking truth to us here today. This is how the psalmist approached being in the presence of the Lord. Now, how many of you in your maybe devotional time, in your time with the Lord, how many of you just shout with joy to the Lord? 
How many of you come and worship with gladness, singing with joy, acknowledging that He, God, is good? It challenges us at times. Trust me. Because when you have a bad day, oftentimes we want to take our bad days and we want to just put it on God. Say, God, I'm just having a bad day. So this is what you're getting. Shout to the Lord. But worship challenges us because the worship of our God is not, to me, something that is circumstantial. Amen? Here's what I mean by that. I can have the worst day, but I'm going to need to clean in Jesus just as much on my worst days as I am on my good days. Amen? Amen. And so today in our sermon, I have three things I want us to learn on how to be more engaged in being in His presence. On how, even as a church, you want to bring the glory down. If you can learn these three things, it will help you bring the glory down wherever you're at. Amen? Amen. 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 And since God is seeking true worshipers, we want to be able to give God all of the worship, all of the honor, all of the glory that is due. And so... Here's the three things from Scripture that I'd like you to learn about true worshipers. So, number one, my first point is this. Worship with all. Worship with all. I love the way that this is written in the book of Hebrews, which, by the way, is also one of my favorite books of the Bible because it talks about coffee because he... Bruce. <laughs> oh, I love those cheesy little preacher jokes that I can throw in every once in a while. Okay. In the book of Hebrews, it says this, chapter 12, verse 28 through 29. Hebrews 12, 28 through 29. This is what it says. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably. And say this with me, church, with reverence and awe. Now let's finish that. Verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Fire emojis on this verse. Our God is a consuming fire. When was the last time that you were just in complete awe of God? I hope for some of you, it was just a few minutes ago when we were singing that hymn, How Great Thou Art. For some of you, it might have been another song, it might have been prayer. It doesn't matter. It could have just been just moments ago. But for some of you, I wonder, when was the last time that you were truly awestricken by the God of the universe that we are able to worship I'm just here to say this this morning. God is not boring. <laughs> God is not boring. There's some bad rumors out there that say that he's either dead or that he's boring or he's no good. But I'm going to tell you this. Those are all a bunch of lies. Because the God that I serve is fire. And the God that I serve, yeah, 
He will make your life lit. <laughs> it's true. You know, when you get into the presence of God, and, and it may not be maybe right direct in that moment, but the more you go into his presence and the more you become faithful to him, the more that he shows you the goodness of who he is. And he begins to be like this consuming fire in our hearts and lives. Let's just say for a moment, these altars here, I'm just fill them up in your mind with whatever imaginary things. You know, we talked about some idols. We could have like a, you know, sports figure. We could have a bank account here, you know. The only time in church I might allow you to think about imagining drugs on the altar or something like that, okay? But I'm just using this as an example because you can imagine all the things that us as human beings, we just, we, we, we worship, we cater to, we will lie for, we'll cheat for, okay? When God is a consuming fire, and, and, and as I mentioned, we, we faithfully, we move more into His presence, His fire reaches out in our lives. And it begins to take hold. And the stuff that we gravitate towards so much, we begin to not love so much anymore. Because His fire is consuming it. It's no longer taking a hold on us. It's no longer got a grasp on us. It's no longer got a hold on us to where we're stuck in our own prisons of it. And God, He begins to reclaim what's rightfully His. If our life is like these altars here, just to imagine, he's knocking everything off. He's taking this off. He's taking this off. He's letting his fire consume it. Let's get a little excited. But he's like a consuming fire. Do you want that in your heart and within your life? Yeah, absolutely. Amen. It's okay. You can raise your hands and say, yes, preacher. I want that. And if you do, it begins by worshiping with awe of who He is. Amen. In the psalm that says this, it says, Come, let us worship and bow down. And let us kneel before the Lord God, our Maker. I want to be in awe of the Lord. I'm in awe of God so much that I'm going to get on my knees. I don't get on my knees for a whole lot of things, but I'm going to get on my knees. And it may hurt, it may not feel good, but I'm going to get on my knees, even if it's just for a moment, and I'm going to lift my hands up to the Lord. I'm going to say, God, I am in all of you because of what you've done in my heart. My give praise, church. Give praise. Amen. you believe that His presence is here today? Amen. Amen. Because your voice is a voice that's saying God is not dead. God is not absent. He's not born. His presence is here. He deserves to be worshipped and all. Amen. Give Him praise for that. We're going to move on to my next point. Second point is this. I think it's so important for us to learn how to worship with abandon. How to learn how to worship with abandon. What does that mean? That's, for some of you, that sounds kind of weird. That sounds like some 90s band that I listened to back in the contemporary Christian movement of the 90s. 
Now here's what that means. It means this. It means to worship with everything that we've got. That's it. Worship with everything we've got. So I got a little story I want to share with you. Uh, it is in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14. Uh, basically, Ark of the Covenant was brought back. It excited King David quite a bit. And when the Ark of the Covenant arrived into the city, David led worship in a way that might make some of you completely uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm just going to say that. Um, you know, he did some things I probably, I don't even know if I'd feel comfortable with. But what he did is he danced before the Lord. Okay, it's in the scriptures. Okay, he danced before the Lord. Now, I don't know if it was, you know, a this and a, you know, I, I don't know what kind of dance moves David had. I'm sure they're much better than what I got, because you've seen what I had a week ago. All right. Um, but it says this, it says in, in verse 14 that David danced before the Lord. And it says this little phrase, with all his might. Yes. And then it even says, well, wearing a priestly garment. Woo! That would be a hot topic of some controversy there in those days. But what it means to worship with abandon is this. It means that we need to worship with our all and we don't care about what people think about us. Amen. Yeah! I don't care what people think about me when I worship the Lord. I'm going to get a little loud. I'm going to get a little excited. I'm probably going to shout and holler and whoop. Yes. And it's only because of what I know that the Lord has done in me. Because when the Lord has done a work within you, when the Lord has saved you from the miry clay, when the Lord has put you on the rock, that is Christ Jesus, when the Lord has given you prevenient grace in your life, when the Lord has given you saving grace, and when the Lord has given you sanctified grace, there is no end to how we can worship and praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. It, however it is that the Lord lays a posture on you. You know, good worship doesn't just mean that you're hooping and hollering. Good worship is when you follow Jesus into what he is asking you to do. Yeah. That's good worship. So... You may have a neighbor who's all hooping and hollering, and that's okay. There you go. Better watch out, Phyllis. She's getting excited and blessed, and she might be running around with hankies and flags here in a moment. I don't know. But it's just being obedient to the posture. When David danced because he was so excited, he was excited because the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, was with him. You would do a crazy dance too if you knew the presence of God right there. Here's the thing, because of Jesus, it is. You don't have to wait for the Ark of the Covenant to come to Greencastle, be parked in your garage to do a, a crazy dance with the Lord. Amen. Amen? But it's good, I think, for us to understand that in church, 
Just like Phineas Brzee said, it's good for us to understand that it's okay to raise our hands and say, God, I love you. It's okay to be in the church and say, I want to lift my voice for you. It's okay to come into a house of worship and say, I got an amazing testimony of what God's done within my life. It's okay to be excited because we don't serve a boring God. Amen. Next time I'll only have two cups of coffee. <laughs> Alright, this is my last point. In order to be a true worshiper, I believe we also lastly we need to learn how to worship with intimacy. And so I'm gonna actually invite my wife up for a minute. I'm gonna use her as a sermon illustration. I'm a little scared. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> I didn't write this in the notes. No, you didn't warn me either. So, so what does it mean to worship with intimacy? It means to know someone so well. Okay? To know someone so well. You know everything about them. Here's a few things that I know about my wife. I know that she loves the newsboys. In fact, there's probably a Newsboy CD in her car that's probably playing right now in the CD player. I know that she loves honey mustard sauce. I know that she likes mayonnaise on her cheeseburgers for the most part. I also know that she is a great and wonderful mother to my children and can teach them things that I, for some reason, struggle with. I know that Ashley Diaz is one of the best drivers that I've ever known in my life. Now, those are just a few things. I know that Ashley's heart and posture is beautiful because of the way that she loves God. And I only know that. And it's not, not necessarily just because I'm just her husband, but that is a big part. But I know that because I've spent time with my wife. I've spent time understanding her. And she's probably spent three times the amount of time trying to unfigure and unravel me. <laughs> but that 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 is that's the same kind of intimacy that God would want for a relationship between you and him. Thank you, honey. Here you go. <laughs> that's, that's the same kind of relationship to where you know God so well. You know, you know exactly what He likes. You may not know what kind of dipping sauce He would get at Chick-fil-A. I would say He'd try all of them because He made all the flavors, really. Right? Isn't that amazing to think? That just kind of blew my mind for a second. Okay, I might say that. But that's the thing. To worship in such a way to where you know God. Because guess what? God knows you. He knows you in and out, up and down, through and through. He knows you. And He knows you so well. It's the reason why Jesus was sent. Because He knew you could never, ever be enough on your own to get into the very real presence of God. You needed a Savior. You needed a friend. Needed a comforter. And so he sent Jesus to die on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross and he took our sins, 
and he took our burdens upon himself. He did that in such a way that was so intimate. Because every single wrong thing that you've ever done in your life, he paid the price for. And in such an intimate fashion, he also knows you so well. He still wants a relationship with you. And he is knocking at the door of every single person's heart in this world and wants and desires an intimate relationship with you. The question is, do you, do you want a relationship like that with the God of the universe? Amen? Well, let's, let's stay in tomorrow. Stay in today. God's kind of given me a, a vision of what I would love to see for our church. A vision of, of things that, you know, slowly began to unpack in my time at District Assembly and even at Outcome kind of gave me this vision. I envision for us as a people of God to worship passionately and with abandon. I, I envision us making prayer a prominent and important cornerstone of every single ministry and every single thing that we do as a church. I envision us clamoring and being so excited about that that the prayer room on a Sunday morning will be filled to the brim with Jesus' followers. Because we want to be able to get into His presence before we even get into a service. I see people who have heard from God during the week that testify to God's goodness in their work, within their life, and they're being ever transformed by His power of grace and love. And I see people that react to situations by saying, we can As God will. We can. I envision us as a church to be so overwhelmed with the love and worship of God that it just overflows to every single part of this community. And I don't know about you, but I think that that is such a beautiful vision of His church. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I don't know, I, 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 like, I don't have a silver bullet. I don't have all the details. But I know this. I know that where he leads, we will follow. Yeah. Amen? Where he leads, we will follow. And so, I'm going to close it with this. 
think your life would look like if you prayed that prayer and he has presented your life? Lord, bring the glory down. What would that look like in your place of work? Saying, God, what would it look like to have your glory manifest itself in such a way in this workplace? I'll guarantee you this. There'd be a lot of problems that get resolved very quickly when people lean into the presence of God. That creates for us, I think, an important question. Because how we worship, how we how we give ourselves over to the Lord, it should never just be contained just in a church service. It is a lifestyle. It's a 24-7 lifestyle. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm going to leave you with this thought. This is from Psalm 141, 1 through 2. It says, Accept my prayer as incense offered to you in my upraised hands as an evening offering. So today, as we close out, I want us to take our hands. And I don't care if you've got them up this way. I don't care if you've got them maybe even up this way. I want us to all take our hands today. And I want us to lift our hands. Because you know what this, you know what this means? When we do this, it means two things to me. It means one, we have a victory in our life through Jesus but you know what else it means? It means surrender. And you know what this means? It means I want to receive more of you. So I don't know what posture you want to take. You take whichever one, but as we close out today in prayer, I want you to just either lift your hands, raise your hands. I want us to be doing something with our hands because the scriptures say our upraised hands is an offering. I want us to give an offering for our worship of God today. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you that we can learn from your word on how to be a true worshiper. We don't have to have a resume <laughs> filled out for how well we worship. God, you love us if we can't sing a tune. And you love us if we've even, you know, have a platform, God. Now, none of that stuff matters. What matters is in worship, Lord, our devotion and dedication and to lift in your name and your renown higher than anything else within our life. And so today, some of us are lifting our hands. We are lifting our hands in victory. And we're lifting our hands in surrender. And so God, these hands that are lifted, Father, this is an offering to you. And so Lord, fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. If we need a victory, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Father, if we need to surrender more, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, some of us, we might be holding our hands 
in such a way like this to Lord, we just we want to receive, Lord, more of you in our lives. We want to receive that consuming fire that's going to burn up all the stuff within our lives that, that is unnecessary. The stuff that we put on the altars of our hearts, God. Lord, we just ask that you consume us. Give us a holy discontentment for who you are in our lives. So Lord, we end this today with this offering unto you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. 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 Give them praise. Amen. Amen. So my, my benediction for you guys here today is this. If I could have the benediction slide just for a moment. I want you to be blessed today of the Lord as you learn to worship Him in awe, abandon, and in intimacy. You guys are dismissed today. Love you all. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you would like to connect with me or Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, you can find us on Facebook at Greencastle Nazarene and also on our website, www.greencastlenazarene.com. May you have a blessed and wonderful day in the Lord.